Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws... Well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at AssaultLimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3 eqip.com a3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion a lip balm a hair conditioner honestly anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3 eqip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. All right, we are back. I know we, uh, I don't, can't remember if we hit this. I think, I think I talked to you about this at the gym, not actually on the podcast, but the, uh, the false flag Russia Wagner group. Oh yeah. Shit. Um you see any more about that? Yeah. So um what are, what's your thoughts on that one? My thoughts are it makes perfect sense that this would be a really good excuse to move their contracted military to Belarus, which is much closer to to Kiev than they would ever be able to get and it basically goes under the radar. Nobody second guesses why they're doing it. Nobody, nobody starts to accuse them of, of, you know, using other countries. And it, I mean, it seems like, uh, I don't know. Have you seen that playboy picture of, uh, Putin and the president of Belarus? No, it's uh, it's a picture of the president of Belarus He's a pretty big guy standing behind Putin. And, uh, the first comment on the picture I saw was like, uh, Putin looking like a, looking like a snow bunny 
on a on a rich man's yacht and it does like the guy's standing behind him and it looks like putin's like his little toy on this yacht it looks pretty fucking funny but they seem to be pretty hmm. close so if they are in cahoots that would make perfect sense why this whole wagner group thing yeah went down yeah i don't know i think we're gonna see a lot more moves uh happening between now and end of the year so I think the biggest concern is uh, China and Taiwan. So I wonder how they're going to play that one out. Yeah. I think that the China and Taiwan, that has to be something that one of them is waiting, right? Like Russia is waiting to completely invest into Ukraine until China does something with Taiwan because <laughs> they figure that the United States and the NATO allies won't be able to invest on two fronts as well as they could on one or the other. Yep. And as long as uh, we have the administration in place that we do, there's not going to be any action taken against them. So that's why it's got to be done before the, uh, you know, the election. So I want to do a, I was thinking about this while I was sitting at home um, after work today, I want to do an episode or it might even take multiple episodes, but where we kind of break down each primary candidate and kind of what they're known for what they're about what their history is and, and yeah. just kind of give a a, a non-political i guess or a non yeah. that's not the right word a non-biased um look at what they've done and what their opinions are and what their voting record is yeah there used to be a website and i got to go back and find it but it literally just shows the voting record of a po- politician like it does it's unbiased it just says they voted for this against this for this against this yeah I think that's important because you and I talked and RFK Jr. has been uh, pretty impressive. But the thing I got to think about, too, is like, okay, let's perchance say he gets in the office. I mean, he's got a lot of great ideas. He's made a lot of great efforts um, in a lot of different areas. But the thing is, though, you do have a party that gets in there. And then how does that affect the Supreme Court, you know, nomination? So. You know, something to think about. Yeah, I, I mean, the two-party system makes it so fucked up because it would be awesome to see somebody like RFK with a running mate of somebody that's on the other side to kind of blend the two parties yeah. together and make that somebody that actually can, you know, make some moves and kind of bring America back on, to, on the positive gain. Yeah. But realistically, do the people, do the people in power want that? No. Right. That'd be, it turn into a, you know, Trump second version here and the problem is it's like well how are they going to mesh their administration then are they going to do the same thing because i think if you stitch both fabrics in all of a sudden what you get is red white and blue yeah and that's my big worry is like you know supreme court ultimately has final say in most everything so how would you know rfk jr you know elect his nominees yeah and i wonder who do we have that's going to probably retire and then or croak in the next five years never know. you do never know but there's you know usually you can start to speculate who's going to be on their way out and i can't even think of who no it's almost like uh they were going to be assassinated at that point when they were uh congress was allowing people to just go to the supreme court homes and you know do what they wanted yeah so, well they were probably illegal hoping, they were probably hoping yeah but right like not necessarily planning it but what what's the uh it's you, you don't really you don't have to worry as much about who pulled the trigger as to who paid for the bullet yeah right 
Yep. But and question I have is just that you got some of these outrageous, outrageous politicians like Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. How the hell does she get back in? AOC. AOC, yeah. Just she's completely but you know, she has a ton of followers on social media. I think what, seven million? So what does that say? But how many of those seven million are people that just like to see the stupid shit that she says? I don't follow people to see. <laughs> there is a lot of people though, because then I'm associated. Yeah, but you right, that. like there's a lot of people that followed Trump just to see the ridiculous shit he would say. They were not Trump fans, but they wanted to follow his Twitter so that they could see the ridiculous shit that he said. Yeah. Like there was a there was a good chunk of people that were like that. That's insane. I don't. I couldn't do that. I just don't. I don't follow. Like I don't. I'm finding myself where I'll go like three, four, five days in between like going on social media. And that that's great. It's great for my mental health, but it's not good for the, for the expansion of this podcast because that's where a lot of our listeners come from. <laughs> and so I need to get back into the swing of things of doing posts and, and doing reels and reaching out and just doing that kind of stuff and not consuming the social media, but producing back on the social media. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tough balance. Right? It's a necessary evil at this point, I mean, in our society. Especially if you want something like this to grow. Like, mm-hmm. it, really, it really is. But um, 4th of July weekend, I guess this will come out the week after 4th of July weekend. But uh, Independence Day, celebrating the, uh, the, the smoke settling and the, the flag still standing on the, on the hill. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I guess for all these, uh, you know, anti-everything folks and anti-gun, I guess, you know, you can still celebrate Pride Month, I guess. There you go. Got something to celebrate. Is it still Pride Month? No, it's July now. Yeah, they just, you know, looks like the retail stores are still celebrating it. So I think there's like two more letters they added to that whole thing. I don't know what it is. I don't even know. I mean, I have friends that are pretty adamant. You know, people that I've hired and, you know, hire roles in, in business that, you know, just say, you know what, we're, we're part of the LGB community. You know, all that other extra stuff they keep adding, it's somebody else's, you know, hobby. They're just bored. Well, and, and so that, that's the weird thing, too, because, it, yes, it's a, it's a community that's trying to be inclusive. But, I mean, at some point when you open that up wide enough, it just becomes American. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah, because what the first three letters of that community are is your sexual preference. That's all it is. And that's it's, all they say it is. Exactly. And yeah. that's where the community is. And, and, yeah. you're, and you're saying like, all right, you're either you're either straight. Right. Or you're lesbian or you're gay or you're bi. Yeah. And that's the four possible sexual preferences. Right. But then we're going to add like you know, gender dysphoria titles and all these ridiculous, yeah. like, and those, those are, those are identities, not your sexual interests. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden it starts, it starts becoming this. How did those, how did those even get added to it? And I'm curious if it has anything to do with the actual community or if those keep getting added by like marketers to include more people in their spend, right? Because if you're going to yeah. spend, if you're going to have, a, if you're going to have a marketing spend and you're dissecting your marketing spend and you go, oh, this only has, you know, 14% of the populace and we're spending this much money on it. How many more letters can we add before it takes that 14% to 20% of the populace? Yeah. I mean, that's could be very well true. Like I said, the LGB folks I know, 
it said, you know, basically when Q, it was LGBTQ, all of a sudden you hit Q. Next thing you know, there were, you know, not them, but whoever was pushing the LGBTQ idea is basically asking government to help fund this group. And, you know, from their, the words out of their mouths is, you know, we don't need any funding. I think the only thing that they were uh, saying that, you know, all they were asking for is that they're allowed to marry. And that's basically what they were asking for. And that's it. They all have jobs, good jobs. Oh, there's they all a work massive, hard. There's a reason that there's a reason that marketers market to those communities because they're generally, and this is a generalization, but they're dinks, right? Dual income, no kids. So you have two people's worth oh. of income and you have no kids to spend it on. So all of a sudden that's a large expendable income. And all of a sudden, I mean, we, they taught it in, in marketing school when I went to school for marketing yeah. 17 years ago. They talked about that community. Yeah, but they're, you know, that true community is only about, what, less than half percent of the population? I've, I've heard 1%. Realistically, I think that it's probably a little bit larger, but at max, you double that and it's 2%. Right. Max. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm guessing it's probably still less than one percent, but who knows at this point? But like you're saying, even if it was two or three percent, it's still. You know, I could say that about you know other ethnic groups that you know have been getting more publicity. Yeah, you white adjacent folks. I know, I'm not considered white adjacent. Yeah, you can't. You they just lump all the Asians together. You know, you can't say on the podcast anymore. I'm a minority. Yeah, you have to say I'm white by adjacency uh, so i'll beat you to the punch about tribes okay the asian side there's a bunch of tribes you know and we're not all lumped together you know we all don't look alike so study up so the next time that you're walking through going through california you'll be able to tell which asians are what oh yeah my neighbor's wife is japanese and he's like don't you ever call her chinese so now i call her chinese just because he told me not to oh. Just to mess with her. She's she's awesome. She's a flight attendant. Oh, she man. brings over like authentically cooked food all the time. She's great. Um, not all the time, but once in a while. Yeah, tell her the Chinese are still superior. Oh, I'm not gonna go ahead and tell her that part of it. Um, I feel like it's yeah, so good, there's there's good way some to get hit. long history issues with, you know, Chinese and Japanese and you having some brutal and brutal uh science experiments on one country using another. I can so. see that. Very, very different cultures Yes. as far as like Japan and the whole idea of Kaizen and and the the investment into their, you know, their one thing, their one true thing. And then you go to China and it's it, it there's some similar concepts, but it's not near as, I guess, distilled down or, or holistic because yeah. the, I mean, and realistically, I think a lot of that is geographic because the country is so spread out to call it a country is kind of like. It's kind of like saying, you know, kind of like lumping everybody in America into one. Yeah. The, you know, 20 people, you take 20 random people from New York City and 20 random people from Nebraska. And let me tell you what, you're going to have two very, very <laughs> different people. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, if you ever get a chance for our listeners, Japan is a great place to visit. You know, the food is amazing. The sights you're going to see. That's why it would always surprise me. Like every time you go to Hawaii, there's always... Japanese tourists there because obviously the trip, you know, the flight over is nice and easy. And, you know, everybody goes to Hawaii to get sun, surf, and whatnot. 
Japanese go there. They are just about as white as a sheet. And they're in groups, and they're always taking pictures. I'm like, dude, this is just an island. You might get, like, you know, some surfing, you know, on Oahu where all the tourists are and take pictures of all the stores and all that crap. But they live in one of the most beautiful, beautiful islands in the world on this planet. And it's like, why are they going around snapping pics of every little thing? I assume that it has nothing to do with where they're at. It has to have something to do with their culture, recording up a memory or the in the enjoyment isn't necessarily in the moment it's in the memory or it's got to have something it's culture. Culturally, it has to have something to do with that. Yeah. It's gotta be. I don't know. I, all I pictures I'm, I'm relaxing on the beach because I think I've I see seen like the- nine or 10 of them. I mean, it's not even, uh, you know, phone cameras. I mean, you're talking SLRs with the strap on the zooms and all that. I'm like, dude, what's going on? Yeah, but I th- I feel like I've seen that in like all big cities I've been to with Japanese tourists. It 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 seems to be definitely cultural. Yeah, that or they're just completely planning the to overtake, you know, yeah. everywhere in the world, and they're they're building up their their repertoire uh, of images. Ask your neighbor. Uh, I'll ask my Japanese uh, friends. Okay, that probably hate me underneath just for all the, you know, I probably owe them reparations. Reparations. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. Can I just say one thing? At least it got dumped by the Supreme Court for now. All right. I just want to say one thing about reparations. What? You think white people need reparations now? No, definitely not. (laughs) Um, I want everyone to know that the first person that owned slaves in the United States was black. Yeah. Um, The whole slavery concept was started. The people that, the people that rounded up the indigenous people in Africa and sold them into slavery were black. Yeah. The people yes. that, <laughs> the people that helped the slaves get to freedom in the North were white. It's not a color thing. Yeah. There are there are slaves of all races throughout the world. Yeah, but it, it takes doesn't a, mean it, it was. Takes it doesn't some reading. It doesn't mean it was right, and I am by no means saying that it's right. No person should ever owe someone else their life. Your life is yours, and you should have the right to trade your time for a boat ticket and your passage to freedom in another country, you should be able to say, Hey, I, you know, I can sign this agreement that I'll work, you know, for said you know, company for 5,000 hours. And when I get to my 5,000 hours, I've paid off all my debt and I'm, you know, free to go on my own because I think that that is, you know, especially throughout those years, that was how a lot of people made it to a place that is not sub-Saharan Africa. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's no different than what happens in a, a communist country. I mean, you can call that slavery. Basically. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's uh, just because it's one it's it's one color doing it to themselves that yep. it doesn't get yeah. looked at. It's bottom line control. Yeah. It's using humans as assets and it's control. But, you know, politics, you know, use it to create a divide and that's where we sit. Well, now we just figured out how to use people. It's like, uh, it's a whip 
or it's a carrot, right? And it used to be a whip, and now it's a carrot. We've just figured out how to control everybody with a carrot instead of a whip. Yeah. Materialism. Yeah. Materialism will control way more people than a whip will. Yeah. So if you're constantly buying shit to try to keep up with the Joneses, and you're constantly paying off your credit card and constantly buying a new vehicle and constantly upgrading your house and constantly doing all this shit just so you have to work more, you're just following the carrot. Yeah. And hopefully at some point in your life, you sit back and be like, wait a second. Stuff really isn't worth it, man. I I swear, I keep telling people over and over, man, you never see a U-Haul at a funeral. I've been to plenty of them, and I never saw one single one. So, can't take it with you. Um. All right. So I sent you a, I sent you an article this week and that's kind of where we got the, the inspiration for this week's podcast. And that article was about a Finnish concept of Sisu and Sisu is a Finnish concept that refers to extraordinary determination, courage, and resilience in the face of adversity. And this has been kind of a countrywide attitude for over 500 years that not only makes the Finnish people able to deal with their pretty extreme climate when it comes to the to their their seasons, their winters, but it also makes them so much more happy in the face of adversity. Yeah. And that's kind of the idea of where this concept came from. Which is weird because when you sent me that article, the first thing I think of what is the logistics, right? And it's like the first thing I think is like, oh, would that be a place to move to? And some thinking is like, that would be horrible. I don't know how they have that attitude because who's their next door neighbor? It's fucking Russia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's a little too close for comfort for me. And then the next thing is that they're almost like, you know, parallel to Iceland. Oh, yeah. So it's not like they have beautiful San Diego weather every, you know, no. picking day. They're dealing with some, you know, extreme weather too. I think it's estimated over 70,000 people participate in regular um, frozen ocean swimming throughout Finland. They, they have places in Finland in the big cities where it is an, basically a hole cut in the ice. And then they have water pumps that circulate the water constantly so that it never freezes. So that they can just go take their daily, frozen swim, their daily frozen swim. Hey, cold bath. Old school one. cold bath. This isn't yeah. fucking. This isn't your. This isn't your super hipster fucking Silicon Valley five thousand dollar ice bath. This is jumping no. in a fucking. This is jumping in the ocean. Yeah, and the other thing too is that they're neighbors with uh, Sweden, which is also another place that is like apparently great place to live, great economy, great politics. I don't know. Snow doesn't really attract me that much, but no, I mean. The thing is, is when you have a people that are, con- and I hear this about Iceland too, but when you have a people that are constantly dealing with adverse conditions, they are generally overall just a happier people because they have learned, basically, and this may be a chicken or egg scenario, right? Yeah. Is it only the people that deal with adversity make it? And anybody else leaves or dies, Hmm. right? So it's an evolutionary thing because it is so hard there. The only people that have stayed and are still, you know, still flourishing in that area are the people that are able to deal 
Whereas like anybody else that's soft, right, has probably moved to like fucking Madison, Wisconsin. Or yeah, California. Yeah. Is that why California's such a shit show? California is 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 a weird situation because I think that you have a massive amount of I guess just slop that's in like a few small geographic areas. Yeah. And then the rest of the country is like or the rest of the state is like farmland. Yeah. You know, but you have 20 million people in that in the greater L.A., 20 to 25 million yeah. people in the greater L.A. area. And their politics is determined kind of like, oh, we are here. Is your, you know, major metro areas are deciding the fate for that state. So all I know is that I missed the boat. I should have, you know, went down there and opened up a U-Haul rental because that would have been good for the next, you know, 10 years. No, the problem is you never would have got any of your fucking U-Hauls back. Because when you got one-way U-Hauls, you got to get them problem. back. Yeah, stocking them back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could have you you sold, like, moving trailers, right? Or if you would have built moving trailers. There you go. In California. Yep. And then they use them, and then they sell them in Texas, right? Because yep. everybody moves there, and then they're done with the trailer. Or you know what? Have them bring it there, and you just got one guy basically running these Stacking these trailers on a big semi-trailer and then bringing them Just back. Just running them and, back in a big circle. Yep. Yep. So anyway, so number one in this, uh, the Sisu, what, the find a purpose outside of yourself? Yes. So, Sisu, I don't know, I know the Japanese style. Finding a purpose outside of yourself. I think I talked about this book um, last week, but the, uh, oh, shit, I just lost it. Um, By that one dude, uh, what's this? The, the guy who made it through the Holocaust. Hmm. Anyways, whatever. We're not going to sit here and think about it. I do this all the time. And then people like want to call me and tell me what that book is I was thinking about. And I don't even remember talking about it because it was fucking 10 days ago that we recorded. <laughs> um. I think it's about when you take on new Victor challenges. Victor Frankel, Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, yep. Yeah, so is it about like um taking on new challenges? Um the the Man's Search for Meaning and the in the finding finding something outside yourself. The whole idea there is um having something greater than yourself, whether it be your faith or your family or something that is that is bigger than you for you to live for. Um because at that point you can make it, what, what is the, what is the statement when you have a, when you have a why you can make it through anyhow. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. I guess, I guess for the, uh, yeah, I guess the, the combat vets, you know, that gets you through, it gets you through battles is, uh, you know, you're there for a higher purpose. Now the guys that went to the Middle East, that was the biggest thing is that you felt you were call for something greater yeah and it's you know if for in a in a in a in a war situation um i think a lot of nationalism is what keeps those guys you know they're, they're saving their countrymen right they are yeah. they're making their country better for their kids they are you know taking care of their country so their nieces and nephews don't have to deal with you know communism or any of those things yeah so that's all a you know a bigger purpose for yourself and i think that for people that we talk to that they really don't like their job right because there's a lot of people that don't like what they do and that's not necessarily 
something you need to run away from. Yeah. Ye- yes, you should try to improve your lot. You should try to look for something that you don't hate getting up every day. But one thing to remember um, so that you're not, let's say, let's say you're going to be at that job for another two years. You know, the universe has something else planned for you and you're going to, you're looking for a new career, but you have two years worth of prep before you're actually ready for it. Okay. So you can go, you know, 712 or whatever the 730 days, right? You can go 730 days hating your fucking life, or you can go 730 days for a bigger purpose. Because even though you don't like what you do during the day, you like the reason that you do it. And the reason that you do it is to feed your kids and to support your family and to pay for your house and to pay to keep your heat on and all these things. Like, that's why you do it. You don't do it for the money. You do it for the ability to provide. Right. And if you can remember that, it makes those 730 days until you are able to do something that you enjoy more it makes them bearable. It makes them almost enjoyable because let's face it. We only have so many years. Like we all our our clock is all ticking. Yeah. So why the fuck get mad at everything you do every day? Yeah. And why, why chase meaningless stuff? And I know, I know I have friends that, that they hate their job to the point that it depresses them. And while I realize that the job itself sucks or the schedule sucks, like you're there. You can still try to improve it. Don't you don't have to just roll over and take it for the rest of your life. Yeah. But you're there. So, if you can find the silver lining in that, that's where that's where Sisu comes from, right? Yep. You find you find the growth, you find the silver lining, you find the benefit of the situation. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I, I was telling my uh, oldest. You know, he's he's moved uh, jobs now and it's you know, I told him every Everything is a step, you know, not everything is the end. Everything is a, is a means to an end and you have goals to get there, but don't, uh, when you have a, a greater purpose, like you're saying, if, if you're doing it for family, if you're doing it for, you know, faith, it's, you, you, you stop trying to hang on to things and by hanging on to things, it's not just like, uh, you know, people that I know that are hordes because they grew up with nothing. And then they're worried about losing everything they have, so they just hoard everything, right? Um, it goes back to what you were talking about is, I mean, there's people we know that are in this, like, never-ending race to, you know, oh, well, I got to buy a house, then I got to buy a bigger house, then I got to buy a car, then I got to buy another car. And it's like every fucking conversation you have is like, okay, you just got this, you enjoyed it, you showed everybody this, and now you're bored and you want to, oh, you need to get something else because there's nothing else to impress any, anyone else with. When you have a higher calling, none of that means anything anymore. It's like, yeah, I could do with it. I'd like it, but I can do without it. It's kind of like the uh, um, the Cold Stone Creamery, you know, example that we used before. It's when I hear people that, you know, that just got to have this thing because it might show that they're, they've made it. I don't know. So I have a theory on that that I just, it just kind of developed in my head as you were talking about it because I was thinking about Uh-oh. Homegrown. Yeah, homegrown right now. Do you notice that the less substance that someone has inside, the more of that needing to impress with the gotta have it there is? It's almost like a give and take, right? Oh, exactly. With when there's less substance, 
there's less for you to be proud of and 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 confident about and you end up like shining the turd more and more and more with clothes and shoes and jewelry and fake tits and big lips and uh, you know hairdos and cars and watches and 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 whatever because there's less substance for you to be proud of whereas if you take those same people and they start following the squared away concepts and they start actually building their mental capacity their emotional capacity their physical capacity and their spiritual capacity and they are actually increasing the amount of substance it seems like that materialism that polishing of that turd kind of slowly dissolves oh yeah no, I think that's a perfect way to put it because that's what I talked to my youngest about. Because the problem that I see with a lot of young people, and I saw with my youngest, is that, you know, he doesn't have phone service on his phone. So there's absolutely no reason why when we are driving somewhere that he needs to grab his phone. Because why? Because he needs to look at it because he's got a game on there he has to play, whether you're connected to Wi Fi or not, or he needs my personal hotspot in the vehicle because he can't look out the window. So I had to explain to him that, you know, there's everyone, everyone has to come to a point where the, there's parts of the week or parts of the day, especially that you have to sit in silence. And when you sit in silence, you start, you know, your voice, your inner voice gets louder and it forces you to have to deal with, you know, thinking about things that you need to self-improve on. And some people just can't do that because their mind is wrapped around, okay, what's this next thing I got to buy? But it's not just those people. I mean, we know people that are in that materialistic, you know, mentality. But then you got the slave mind that, you know, that drives me bonkers is that, you know, what they're, they're not, there's no substance. So as little substance as there is, the more, you know, I guess we could call it the dopamine fix. It's just that they always need something going on. They always need a full schedule. They always need to be entertained or they always got to have a project going on or a hobby, right? That just consumes them, and then, uh, and that's all they talk about. So when you try to talk about substance, it's you know you get to about you know news level, but then that's it. And uh, you know I think you're exactly right. You're always going to be exchanging substance for something else that has no value. Um, one thing here on this this explanation of Sisu that I have, Sisu embodies the idea of integrity and authenticity. As individuals tap into their inner resources and core values to persevere and overcome obstacles, um, philosophers like Kierkegaard emphasize the importance of living an authentic life. And holy shit, I can't tell you how amazing it is to invest the time and the energy and the fucking pain to figure out who you are so that you can live authentically to who you are. And fuck, man people are going to look at you and there's going to be some people that just fucking hate you and they're going to hate that you are authentic. They're going to hate that you're not faking. They're going to hate that you're doing shit different than them. They're going to hate that you are shining a spotlight on their insecurities, but man, it feels really fucking good when you finally go, this is me. Yeah. Like take it or leave it. This is me. Yeah. I mean, look at our population, you know, I, I, Venture to guess, maybe there's uh, 90% are unhealthy. And the thing is, you know, for our listeners, the healthier you get, the unhealthy will start pushing you away. And they'll start, you know, 
saying comments like, you know, why would you do that? Why waste your time on that? Or, you know, the big thing is they think that you're egotistical because you take care of yourself. It's like, hey, <laughs> I heard this, this great comparison. It's like, you know, somebody's asking this guy for fashion tips. What's your, what's your best fashion tip? You know, do you need to buy, do I need to get my suit designed here? Or do I need to get, you know, my shirts tailored here? And the guy just kind of looked and answered is like, um, you're, you're the only fashion tip that I'll give you is get in shape. Because if you get in shape, that suit, whether it's a $5 suit or a $1,000 suit will look amazing. But guess what? If you are, look like a bag of shit and you go buy a $1,000, you know, Versace shirt and put it on, you're going to look like a piece of shit with a $1,000 t-shirt on. So. And then he finished with, you know, the guy with the $5 V-neck Fruit and Loom t-shirt that's in shape, looks a hundred times better than a out of shape dude wearing a $5,000 suit that looks like a sack of potatoes. So, so remember that fashion tip, male or female or whatever you want to call yourself. There's a, there's a weird thing not to get too far off of the um, path here with fortitude and, and grit and Sisu, but there's, a, there's an interesting thing that happens because of the traditional gender roles that we've had throughout evolution where a physical fitness is much more, um, not attractive, that's not the right word, much more important in a female from a male's aspect than it is in a male from a female's aspect because generally the male as the provider is looked at with a right everything is a scale in your head whether you like it or not everything is a scale and if somebody is a you know somebody physically is a 10 but you know they're broke and can't hold a job and they're fucking idiot then they're not overall a 10 they're overall a fucking four right and we, we kind of, you know, you remember that, that analogy I used last time when it come to like video games, right? You remember when you used to build your character and you had like speed and strength and jumping ability, right? And you had all these yeah. different gradients where you could, you could build your character. That physical aptitude is um, not near as high in a man as it is in a woman when it comes to general attractiveness because a woman looks at a man and wants a man that, that looks good, but she really wants a man that can provide. And it's not necessary. This is a fucking generality. So if you're, if you're, well, I don't do that. I get it. You don't do that. But this is, th- <laughs> this is throughout evolution for hundreds of thousands of years in the traditional gender roles, the providing for the family and get, you know, and, and earning resources, whether that meant hunting or gathering or whatever your ways that you earned resources, that was like the number one, most important thing. Yeah. Number two, most important is protecting. Right. So it's, it's a weird thing that happens. Whereas um, you don't see a lot of, you don't see a, uh, as many older women um, leave their husbands and go for a younger man as you do a older man leave his wife and go for a younger woman because the kind of fertility and attractiveness is much different from sex to sex. Hmm. Never thought of that. It's, diff- it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting thought process when you start to think about like what people, put, what people lean, value more. Yeah. I mean, I always thought that, you know, from the outside, I think we talked about in the last uh, podcast is that, you know, you, you exhibit character traits by how you take care of yourself. You know, I mean, 
somebody walks in a room and it's like, you know, they're just completely shredded. You're like, they exhibit whether you like that person or not, but they really, you can sense, yeah, they are self-disciplined. Obviously they get there, you know, they've gone through, they've put themselves through hardships to get there. So that gives you resilience, gives you determination, gives you a whole list of, you know, character qualities. When a bag of shit walks in a room, obviously there's the bag of shit traits that, you know, the list is long. But so. when the bag of shit pulls up in a $100,000 car, the bag of shit gets some attention. <laughs> the because car he can, helps because get he the can, attention. Yeah, but he can, he can provide, right? That's his, that, that's how, that's his peacocking, right? That's his, yeah. show, that's his showing his value. His value isn't in his physical. His value is in his ability to provide. Yes, and then to me, in back of my head, it's okay. You know, what lottery did this guy win or he just sold a bunch of good stock? Yeah, but you're not trying to get this guy to provide for you for the next fucking 50 years. No. So <laughs> your, mind, your mind's a little bit different. And that's the female thought yeah, that you're trying and, to tell me? I, I don't think that, I think that it, that is the initial lean, right? And then an intelligent female thinks two steps past that and starts to dissect who the human being is. I'm not saying that it's, I'm just saying initial uh, instincts is where that goes. Yeah. Fat dude pulls up in a Lambo. They're like, ooh, that guy can provide. Yeah. But then, if then they're take like, it to the next level, yeah. okay, am I going to have to pick up this guy's dirty socks every day? Well, and then it's going it's gonna to it's gonna depend on the, on the person too, right? Is it somebody that literally just wants somebody to provide for him for the next 50 years? I suppose. Then that's go out to eat all the time and, yeah. you know, travel, yeah. whatever, sure. Why not? You know, the, the you know, take me out to eat. I'm going to bring my friends, you know. Yeah. Whatever. There's shitty people out there, both sexes. All, all sexes, all 37 genders, they're shitty people. True. True. Which explains these, you know. All right, let's get back to fortitude. What is fortitude? Intestinal fortitude. Intestinal fortitude. That's what you get when you travel the world and eat a bunch of random shit. We're just talking about <laughs> overall fortitude. <laughs> fortitude can be defined as the mental and emotional strength to face challenges, adversity, and hardships with courage and resilience. There's that resilience word again. It is a multi-dimensional concept encompassing several cognitive, emotional, and behavioral aspects. Um, Fortitude is your ability to face challenge. Distilled down to the absolute smallest, shortest definition, the ability to face challenges. And how do you build up your ability to face challenges? Have to push uh, hardships on yourself you have to face challenges yeah and i mean those challenges and hardships don't mean that you need to like all of a sudden become homeless and fight your way you know from the bottom up it's you know a lot of a lot of it training is the easiest way of doing it and i was talking to my wife about this the other day and realizing that where you're going to end up in a year from now or six months from now involves a year or six months worth of growth yeah you can't look you can't walk into the gym and look at you know 305 pounds on a bench press and go well that would crush me right now yeah that would crush you right now but guess what if you work hard that's not going to crush you in a year yeah and and you can't be scared of that weight because if you're scared of that weight it stops you from ever starting and if you're at 135 on a bench press and you want to get to 305 motherfucker you better start lifting yeah. I mean, start with the simple stuff. And, you know, and 
progressive overload, you know, we, we hear that in the gym, but fuck man, progressive overload is everything in life. Yeah. Progressive overload. What that means is that means overloading your ability on, in a progressive manner. So you overload a little bit and then your brain compensates, your body compensates. It doesn't matter if you're lifting weights or you're taking yourself out of your comfort zone or you're, you know, running or you're doing learning new skills or you're taking on a much more complicated job progressive overload means that you need to overload that overload in the definition means that it's more than you can handle yeah like it literally means it's more than you can handle but you have to put yourself in that situation taking on more than you can handle so that you then can adjust and adapt And then the next time that that same load comes at you, whether it's weights or running or emotional damage or whatever that thing is, you can take it and then you progressively overload again. Yeah. You have to be willing to push yourself beyond that point. And feel some pain. Yeah. And I think that a lot of personal trainers, I know when I trained, that was probably my biggest pet peeve is that, you know, people want a trainer, they want to go to the gym, but then... Oh, the moment it gets heavy. Well, they like doing weight that they're comfortable with. The problem is you stay in that spot. I will send a, I want to send a shout out right now because I know Todd listens to every podcast and and I'm not sure if Dustin does, but Todd and Dustin, Todd especially started lifting with me. Just, just randomly started. It was, it was probably three, probably three, three months ago. He's like, all right, what are we doing today? And it literally just started. Right. And so we started a five, three, one cycle where we just started at a you know, percentage of one rep max and we ran a four-week cycle. And then we ran another one. And then all of a sudden, Dustin's doing it with us. And these guys, like, they don't, they don't bitch. Like, they'll say that something hurts. Yeah. They'll, 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 you know, have to go down in a weight. But these guys just, they just work. And these guys are, you know, 50-some years old. And they're just putting in the work. And holy shit, you know, Dustin's only been doing it for a month, but Todd has come a long fucking ways. Long ways. He's you know, 50, what, 54? He's probably in the best shape of his life. Man. Yeah. I mean, we're in the 50s club. But the thing is, it's the best anti-aging is right there, is taking care of your diet, taking care of, you know. And Todd's doing more than just the training. I know he's talking about uh, stuff that, you know, he abstains from now so that he's healthier. Yeah, he quit drinking during the week because of us. So, you know, it's, I was at, uh, you know, I was waiting for my son, uh, Get out of uh, the air park, whatever you want to call that thing. Yeah, the jump, the jumpy park, the trampoline park. Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah. And uh, so there's a Barnes and Nobles next door, right? So I go in there, and I'm looking at the um, the used book section because I didn't realize uh, Barnes and Noble had a used book section. And I look over in the first place I go to is the the health shelves, and there's a book on there that says um, it's oh, I forgot who the author is but he wrote a new york times bestseller years ago and this book was like um basically tells you hey if you follow this lifestyle which the lifestyle is basically is yeah understanding your body what you put into it and also providing the the training and and some challenges to yourself mentally not just physically but mentally and that mentally also contributes to you know you could um age yourself back 10 years just by doing that and it's true. I mean, you look at, you know, if you took Todd, you know, you took myself and you compare it to guys that are our age, right? There's now there's become such a gap. It's insane. 
because you got the doers and you got the non-doers now. And I looked at that book. I'm like, yeah, there's probably a reason why this is for sale because a lot of people can't follow that. A lot of people, it's not that they can't, they won't follow that because they prioritize, you know, comfort and they prioritize convenience over top of anything else. And that's what you're seeing in society. And that's so anti-squared away. And that, that gap, the, the longer that you've been on the, the train tracks, right? That gap between, you know, with a five degree difference between the way that the direction that you're going and the direction that somebody else is going. If you only look at that in 12 months, then it's not that far away. But if you look at that in 20 years, that oh, gap geez. is drastic. Yeah. And it's just a little bit of difference in the angle that your, your, traje- your trajectory, right? Yeah. I mean, I got a, you know, somebody I know that just, uh, it's rough because, um, he's got pancreatic cancer and, you know, if you really look at the source of what, you know, causes pancreatic cancer, there's a lot of contributors and those contributors were a part of, you know, this guy's life. And now it's like, well, what do you do? Because a lot of times they don't detect that until stage four. And when they hits that, you're pretty much, you know, on borrowed time. Yeah, it's a death sentence. So, you know, there, there's so many benefits to it. And, yeah, shout out to you all that can push yourself. But it's part of, yeah, increasing resilience through training is you got to get to a point where you're, you know, fuck comfortability and convenience and just focus on what you need to do and get your ass up. We, uh, I wanted to get a little bit of the actual studies in here before we signed off for the day, but I know we've talked about the book Grit. Angela Duckworth, um, her 2007 study found that individuals who possess grit characterized by perseverance and passion for long-term goals are more, more than likely, more likely to achieve success. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? Yeah. Um, what about the connecting with nature stuff? The study, demis, uh, the study in 2011 by Angela Duckworth demonstrates that grit is a significant predictor of success in challenging tasks. Grittier competitors in the National Spelling Bee exhibited higher levels of deliberate practice. So that's an interesting one when you start to think about deliberate practice. If you guys um, want to learn more about deliberate practice, Josh, Josh Waitskin's book, The Art of Learning, is great. Josh Waitskin was a um, chess grandmaster, I believe when he was like 14 and won a bunch of world chess championships and then happened to fall into a, um, what is the hand fighting that they do over in Thailand? Fighting? Yeah. I can't remember what the fuck it's called. Anyways, he, he, he wandered into a dojo and fell in love with it. And within like five years was competing for national, a national title in Thailand in uh push hands, sorry, push hands. That's what yeah. it's called in the, in the national push hands championship or international push hands championship. And, um, what he really distills down in the book, um, art of learning is what deliberate practice looks like and deliberate practice for a quick summary basically is practicing for perfection of individual small abilities to the point that they are second nature and then moving on to the next part, right? So if we think about this as learning an instrument, you are learning a a line or a transition from one note to another note until it's perfect. 
and then you're moving on to the next. You're not just having 20 minutes of, all right, here's a song, play it for 20 minutes. No. And, and one way that he talks, a comparative of that is give me a eighth grade piano player and I'll give them a sheet of music that they can read and they can play and then give me a concert pianist and I'll give them the same sheet of music and it will be a completely different song because that the transitions are so much cleaner and everything is so much more perfect because of the deliberate practice that this person has put in. And it's the same whether you are, you know, learning a skill for your job or you're learning something physical, um, like, you know, shooting a bow or shooting a gun or anything. It's, it's the deliberate practice of small, minute things that then go, the micro makes the macro, right? Yeah. Um, where was the, the nature one? Oh, the so the third part of the uh, sisu that Finland follows is uh, be. So this is what I'm trying to understand. So it's be gentle with yourself, but then it says connect with nature, which walking and hiking in nature is, you know, supposedly a core part of the Finland culture. It helps people basically find that inner calm or listen, process, you know, their inner voices. And helps them find a sense of happiness that serves them through hard times. I've seen a lot of stuff recently um, on the connection with nature and its ability to improve mental strength and mental ability and perseverance. And I think part of that is necessarily isn't necessarily specifically have to do with nature. Like nature is the must-have there, but I think what nature does there is kind of shows you a such. such a bigger thing that you all of a sudden start to realize how kind of not small you are, but like how little the things that you worry about really matter in the grand scheme of things. I think that may have something to do with it, but nature definitely has the ability to like humble and process an individual. So one thing that uh, I've been doing lately just to see if it actually works because I saw Oh, some person put a actual, and I haven't done it yet, is they actually put a charge or a meter on the ground and then put a meter on themselves, and it's the art of grounding. Is that is there any meat to that? You'll have to, you'll have to let me know. I have not looked into I've read, now, hold on. I've not read a lot about grounding. I've seen a lot of people who talk a lot of fucking hokey shit about grounding. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I've seen a lot of people talk a lot of hokey shit about sun in your balls, right? You haven't seen that yet? No. Good luck. It's going to start popping up now that I said it. It's a big movement to like sun your balls. Sun your balls. Yes. It's a big movement to get the um, specific infrared rays on your balls because so much of your hormones are created in your, in your ball sack, in your nuts. That sunning your balls like upregulates your testosterone. It upregulates your vitality. Hmm. Um, this is not me talking from a scientific angle. This is me okay. saying that I've seen this as much as I've <laughs> seen people grounding. And is there a is there a benefit to it? Um, I mean, there's me, not a negative. It's a it's a zero loss right. investment. Standing outside with with, with your feet in the grass feels good. Yeah. So you're not losing anything by trying it. Yes. So there you go. That's so, that's my best that's my best answer <laughs> is it's a zero loss investment in your time. Okay. Um 
is there a benefit to it? There's probably less of a benefit to grounding than there is to like um, making sure that you get your adequate protein intake for the day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, and we can me, knock me... off, we can knock off the big things before we start worrying about these right. little minute details, but it is, it feels good to stand in the grass. So yes. Right. So let me Go clarify. I'm not walking out my door and like just standing there like an idiot. It's if my son wants to play catch, Yep. which, you know, we do, and we throw the ball for 20, 30 minutes. I make sure, okay, I'll just go out without my shoes on yep. and stand in the grass. Yep. And that are okie dokie is my grounding. Yep. And, so, you know, sunning my balls, I don't know. There's a million benefit, not a million. There's a lot of different benefits from that. You're going to get more feet strength because you're running around with no shoes on. You are, you know, you're, you're touching nature. You're getting some, yeah. who knows, some positive soil-based organisms on your microbiome who knows well, i'm getting vitamin d from the sun and the yada 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 yeah the ball thing i don't know i'm telling you well, what, what, what if you're uh you know fixed have you cut the pipeline off to no no, no, no. that's in? only your pipeline for for sperm that's not your pipeline for everything else that your balls do okay no you're good okay i, I don't know a lot about the ball science of it. Well, there's a lot of ball science going on here. There's a lot of fucking <laughs> right, bro science. Now I'll probably just start of, showing up in my feeds. It's now. going to for sure. There's a lot of bro science going on here. Is what there's a lot going so on. What here. are they going to the beach and then like flipping up or hanging your balls out of your shorts? Uh, from what I see, it's like a back porch thing, right? Like a little enclosed back porch area. And Some people like, like I have a I have a red light. Uh, infrared light. So you're shoving your red light in your balls. Um, I, I when I did, so I did my red light therapy for like, uh, probably a year, um, every morning, and I don't know if I got any benefits from it. It, I, let's say I did. I didn't. It didn't. It wasn't negative. It was a meditation. I basically how I looked at it is I could meditate or I could meditate with a red light. So I meditated with a oh. red light, and yeah, I definitely I got a little angle down there on the ball sack for sure. Oh, so you were part of this movement. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess. Right, well. I was doing it before it was cool. Damn. Um, when it comes to the science behind fortitude, um, in Davidson, a study in 2012, the research that revealed the neural mechanisms associated with fortitude and emotional resistance. The study focused on individuals with depression undergoing treatment and found that certain neural pathways and systems such as the prefrontal cortex and stress response systems play a role in emotional regulation and fortitude. So um, this gives you a good reason to kind of keep that brain extremely healthy. And if you are constantly hitting your brain with inflammatory things like alcohol and processed sugars and stuff like that, it is going to affect your resilience and your fortitude. So don't don't forget that, right? Like if you were constantly hitting yourself in the shins with a fucking hammer, you're going to walk funny. If you're constantly damaging your brain with light amounts of inflammation because of what you're fucking putting in there or head hits or whatever, your your resilience and your fortitude is going to go down. Um, and then... That's pretty. I mean, these studies on Sisu are kind of interesting, but there's not really that much there. Oh, because it's such a it's it, it's such a an underlying attitude in the Finnish culture that it's kind of tough to do a it's kind of tough to do a scientific study on attitude, right? Yeah. Like we can do scientific studies on specific interventions when it comes to you know eating twenty percent less calories, but um. So does that make Finland the happiest place on earth? But does it also make Finland a great place to move? 
I don't think it makes it a great place to move because these people have this attitude in their culture. And if you were to move to Finland without that attitude, I don't think it's something that you can expect to just gain by, by living there. I think that if you're an open person that's growth-minded, you could gain that right here. Yeah. And you could also gain it in Finland. But I don't think that just, you know, Joe Schmo moving to Finland is going to all of a sudden he's going to just It'll by be osmosis be, become <laughs> happier because of the people in Finland doing, you know, ice baths. Yeah. That's true. Well, I guess that, you know, feeds into my, you know, ice bath. Uh, check one for pro. Right? Yeah, I mean, I there. So, so here's my theory on hot and cold therapy as far as ice baths and saunas and stuff like that. There's absolutely no way that they have made it for probably 10,000 years from the history that we have to now 5,000 years. Yeah. There's no way it's made it that long if it doesn't have some real benefits. Right. Well, you know, Huberman even said you do the cold baths prior to working out and your testosterone. Some people are reporting some insane amounts that I don't know if that could be true, but I don't know. It seems to help. Yeah. It's easy, you know, a couple minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see any negative thing to the, to the ice baths. I don't see any negative thing to progressive overload of anything in your system, whether it be lifting weights, running further, putting yourself through, you know, more deliberate types of pain. And by pain, I don't mean just like stabbing yourself. That's fucking stupid. But yeah. I mean, you know, emotional strength and physical strength and building up your fortitude in all aspects of your life, all squared away aspects. Yeah. Please don't be like, uh, yeah, recently I ran into somebody that, um, definitely has been sheltered and something very minor. I mean, minor of minor happened. I literally seen this person throw like a toddler tantrum. I'm talking like jump up in the air and you know do the whole toddler thing. And How old is this person? Oh, this person is in probably say forties. Oh God, I wish I would have saw that. I just I I was kind of taken by it. It's like toddler stuff that's that's rough um and i will with that said right with 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 what martin just said i do want to preface the fact that just like your strength just like your cardio ability just like everything everyone starts at a different level and your only goal is to improve your level of resilience you are not going to start trying to increase your fortitude and get to my level of resilience immediately yeah you can get to my level of level of resilience and surpass me drastically over time but don't compare your now to my been working for 10 years yeah and it's it's a journey because i think a lot of the problems i see is that people don't see immediate results or don't see big huge gains and the problem is they quit and then a year later they're unhappy with themselves they start again but you know consistency if you want that consistent behavior if you want that consistent resilience you have to consistently challenge yourself 
all the time, not this up and down yo-yo thing. That's a good rap. Consistency. Peace. Peace. Peace.